Hello and welcome to this episode of the podcast, where today we have the honor of hosting Colleen Fonseca, the Executive Director of Builders of Color Coalition in Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, BCC is an organization that is dedicated to increasing access and diversity in Boston's commercial real estate sector. They foster economic well-being for minority businesses and the communities that they serve. BCC brings together real estate professionals of color, private firms, government agencies, trade organizations, and community nonprofits. And together, they collaborate to create opportunities for education, employment, partnership, and even financing. Uh, within the Builders of Color Coalition, there's a, there's a network of real estate experts, including developers, investors, uh, architects, attorneys, bankers, contractors, brokers, they seem to have it all. Uh, and these professionals span across various firms from family-owned enterprises, multinational companies, and they just bring a, a diverse range of perspectives and experiences to the table. So join us today as we dive deep into a conversation with Colleen, and we're going to explore the impactful work that Builders of, Coalition, Builders of Color Coalition and uh, that they're making and the transformative changes that they're making in Boston commercial real estate. Colleen, welcome. Hi, Justin. It's great to be here. I'm I'm really excited about having this conversation because, as you're aware, I've I've been following what your organization does and and the success that you're having, and it always it always brings a smile to my face to to see all the progress you're making. So I think we should start and just. Tell us a little bit more about yourself and and your role at the Business of Excuse Me Builders of Color Coalition. Yes, so thanks for the intro, Dustin. Um, so I'm the executive director for the Builders of Color Coalition, um, which you had mentioned earlier is a coalition of over 650 real estate professionals of color uh, working in the commercial real estate industry in various capacities. Um, I've now been with the organization for the last year and a half, where we've been building out. Um, programming to support the scaling of uh, developers of color in particular that are working in the Boston commercial market, and also expanding diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts industry-wide to support those developers and being able to scale in the network. And so congratulations on on the, the, the tenure that you've had there so far, and I just see it just scaling. It's, it's really cool to, to witness. How did you first come across Builders of Color Coalition? Like, how did that evolve? Yeah, so I had uh, sort of heard of the Builders of Color Coalition. Um, I, previous to this role, was um, working out in the city of Providence as the Director of Workforce Development and Economic Opportunity. Um, and a lot of the work that I was doing was centered around small business development, workforce development, and, um, and minority business enterprises and women-owned businesses ways that the city could better um, engage with and distribute contracts, especially public contracts to MBE and WBE certified firms. Um, so I had some colleagues that were working in the Boston market. So I would kind of call them to see what was happening sort of in the Boston market around supplier diversity and contracting, some best practices. And Builders of Color Coalition was sort of an organization's name that I heard from time to time. And there was a day when I was visiting some of my friends in Boston and they had uh, let me know that, hey, like a, one of our, my friends had actually interviewed for a role at the organization and had said, 
I didn't get the role, but I think you'd actually be a really great fit for their executive director role. Um, and I sort of was like, I can't see myself in the nonprofit sector, especially working in commercial real estate. Most of my experience at that point had been in government and politics, civics, and student organizing. Um, so I was definitely not seeing a direct correlation to uh, my work and working in commercial real estate for developers. And after I had some conversations with folks on the board at the Builders of Color Coalition, it actually made a lot of sense and we were able to connect a lot of dots. And that's how I came to the organization. What What was your initial hesitation? Like, why? What is there anything specific that you would say, like, why you didn't think it would be a good fit? I think that I... I didn't think that it would be a good fit initially because for most of my career, I had worked in the nonprofit and public sector, and I, I wasn't sure exactly what it would be like to transition to work in an organization that's sort of a convener, mostly of private development companies and the private industry. Um, it was just an experience that I didn't previously have. Um, and sort of wondered through, like, what are the changes or sort of different cultural norms around that industry? Um, and having to really learn uh, the landscape and the norms around a completely new industry uh, that's so large and massive, as I've definitely come to learn and understand, mm -hmm. as definitely in some instances more complicated than the governance space. Um, so it was just a little bit hesitant. And I think just as a young women of color doing the work. Sometimes it's hard to envision yourself in um, a role that you're capable of doing, but just in a different type of capacity. Uh, but really, I'm grateful to like my colleagues that were able to see myself in a way that I couldn't yet see myself. Well, that that point right there of having people to, to see something in you that you that helps you along the way that's pretty cool. So I guess on that note, was there, was there something in that process where you started to see, when you were interviewing or when you were diving deeper in it, like what, what was that conversation like to have with those people that were pushing you forward? Yeah. So I would say um, definitely the conversation that I had with the founder of the Builders of Color Coalition, Dave Madden, um, we had like an hour long conversation about the Builders of Color Coalition. And I had sort of asked, questions around, you know, how was the organization initiated? What are the sort of key themes and guidelines and missions of the organization? And where do you see the organization going ahead? And it was probably the most clear and concise conversation I've ever had with a potential employer about where the organization was going. Um, I was very impressed. I was like, wow, we have a, there's a four-year strategic plan. There was a very, um, very, like, I think the way that Dave approached this this topic and this issue was like nothing I had ever seen elsewhere as well. Um, I think conversations from a governance standpoint that we have about diversity and inclusion um, in the built environment is usually strictly just around construction and contracting and subcontracting. And I think like to have a developer and a group of real estate developers come together of color and to say, there's actually a problem in the industry. Like we need to increase diversity, equity, and inclusion. We are in this industry. Some of the board members have been on in the industry for like 10, 20 plus years. Um, and there's so much work that needs to be done. And I thought that that was a really unique approach to uh, problem solving and bringing together and convening lots of different parties that had expertise in different parts of the work together for a shared mission and a shared goal that was very clear.
Yeah, and I, I can I can see that like how concise, especially most of the things that I see that that are coming out of your organization, uh, how how clear they are. Um, I want to say linear almost, where it's like very purposeful, and it, it's easy to see, and it makes so much sense that you're saying that because things seem to be so much more actionable when they're when they're clear uh, when when you when you have clear direction and steps to take to go through. So that makes sense that that would be part of the process going forward. So, you know, I, I want to talk more about some of the, the things that you're doing in the programs, but if we could go back to your journey and the steps that you took to get to your current role, what, what, okay, you were working in the government, you were on that side of it for a while. What was your, what were your career aspirations? What did you envision when you were growing up? Yeah, so <laughs> actually very different from what I'm doing right now. Um, so growing up, I always wanted to um, be a doctor and to deliver in particular um, babies in like the neo-intensive unit. So I was always interested in working with like um, young like babies, especially if there were any complications and being able to support them um, through like really great care. Um, I, I had done like a, a project and I was like in high school where there was all of this really shocking and um, sad data around like premature babies, especially for um, people of color and, and young children of color. Um, and I thought that's a really messed up thing. And it, it really tied, tied back to like public health and inequities in our like public health system, as well as just for like access to healthcare and um, like economic mobility for communities of color. So I always thought that the way that I wanted to impact the world was to create like a safe space and ability for young people, especially young children of color to be able to like grow and be resilient um, as like babies when they over with any complications. Um, and when I went to college, I was a biology major. I went on a trip to New Orleans and um, this was a few years after Hurricane Katrina had happened. And um, I had the chance to meet with people that had had their homes completely destroyed, um, hadn't been able to get to their homes because they had lost the deeds um, in their families through the, the lines of the families. Um, I talked to residents who were taking two hour long bus rides to get to school and falling asleep in the school day, didn't have access to healthcare because the hospitals had been like completely destroyed during the hurricane. Um, so it was just a very a eye-opening experience for me. And I remember there was a moment where I thought to myself, especially in talking with like the young people, and like there was one man in particular who it was his first time going into his house since after the, the, the hurricane. And he was opening up his laundry machine and he looked down and he started to get really emotional. And he was like, this is the first time that I've seen like the clothes that are in here since the hurricane. Like it just brings me to a different time. Wow. The one thread that connected all the conversations that I had with all the residents in New Orleans about Hurricane Katrina was the comprehensive failure that they felt that the government had just sort of left them um, to figure things out on their own, um, that a lot of the, the reasons for the hurricane were because of government inaction and that they didn't feel that they had a seat at the table and preventing and mitigating what ultimately happened in New Orleans, but also after that and sort of recovery. So, right, even after the hurricane, there's many folks in New Orleans that have scattered to other parts of the South and other parts of the country that um, 
can and some have returned to New Orleans, but there's a lot more that would love to be able to. Um, so it was sort of like, what is going on in government? What is this thing that seems to have so much control over our lives, especially in a crisis that I personally and my community that I come from, that's very diverse and working class, has no idea how it operates and how it functions. Um, so I came back from that trip. I was taking some of my biology classes and I thought, what's the point of bringing in a young person of color, giving them the healthcare that they need to thrive and then having um, a, a government institution or a place where that young person cannot really thrive to their biggest potential. So I changed hmm. my major immediately to government and politics. And what year, what year in school was this? It was my freshman semester. So I was wow. a freshman, um, freshman so my first semester. I went on that trip in February. I changed my major as soon as I came back. My parents were not happy. But <laughs> right, so uh, that's that was actually going to be my next question. Were were your do your parents are they in the the medical field or is that no. are they pushing you towards that? No, they are not. So my dad is a, a an electrician and my mom is a teacher. So okay. they were like, "You're gonna give up being a doctor to be in government?" Like they were like so sad. <laughs> Well, and you and you had a you had this goal, so for you to make that pivot was probably shocking for them. Yeah, it was definitely shocking, but they're on board now. They get it now. <laughs> okay, that's good. So after after you, so um, I want to make sure that I, because big part of what we're trying to do with with this platform is understand what what things, what thoughts, what 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 you can take from your experience that, that led you to the next step. So once you got into government, I don't want to skip over the school part if, if you want to touch on that, but what were the things that you started to learn as you were learning about government and getting inside that you were like, okay, I can make a difference here with what I'm doing or, or not, or otherwise, I just want to open that up to you. Yeah. So I would say one thing that I definitely learned, and there were, I think, lots of threads to development and real estate and lots of the work that I, I was doing, although at the time it didn't seem apparent and obvious. Um, so when I um, was my first job out of college, I actually worked in corrections, sort of doing like justice work inside of the correctional facilities in Boston. And one question that came up was, um, who owns the community that I live in? Um, that was a, a a question that would come up a good amount and that I started to think through a lot, like who are the people that um, create jobs for residents, um, that stabilize communities, um, that build and provide construction jobs, and it all kind of fell back into developers and development. Um, my office was, when I was in the city of Providence, was across the, the way from the planning department. So I would see all of these developers kind of popping in and out um, and thinking through um, how can the job training and the economic development work that I'm doing and all the initiatives that our city administration is doing resonate with developers as well? Um, and I, I had the opportunity. I think the biggest connecting point for me was working on a project where we took Providence youth and showed them how to build a house during the school day. Um, so it, in the middle of the school day, these students were going to a, a site on the south side of Providence and building a house. And that was my crash course on development. Um, I was suddenly responsible for um, figuring out HVAC, electrical issues, plumbing issues, and was sort of interfacing with the developer and the schools about all the different ways that a project can go really well. 
and go really wrong. <laughs> um, so we're working with unions and negotiating with the unions. And there was so much work in it that I was like, there is actually a lot that goes into just putting up this one single family house. I can't imagine the process that it takes to put together these large multifamily or these large commercial um, buildings. Um, and my office only really got to the point where um, the building was built and then that's when residents would be hired and all that would happen. But there was so much that happened beforehand that I was so interested in learning. Um, and I'm so grateful, especially for this opportunity, because it was an, a, an opportunity for me to see sort of economic development um, as it relates to commercial real estate development before it sort of comes and is like the building lights come on, everyone's employed, like the property manager comes in, it's everything that comes before that. Yeah. And you, the, the term that you use the, the, the threads and I, I'm, I'm eager to hear more about how this all you know, weaves together because it amazes me sometimes in people's career, the, the people that I speak with and that, and that, I, that I work with day in and day out, how they got to where they are. And a lot of times there's, there's a curiosity about something and, and an intention of wanting to do something, you know, there's a there's a goal, there's an intention, but it's more, the, more of the, the curiosity that one step or opening one door leads to something else. And then you say, oh, well, I didn't know this was, I didn't know this was this, it was like this behind this, behind this door. And then it leads you to the next room. And then you meet somebody there that says, hey, what about this and that? And then it leads you to the next room. So um it's interesting to hear you talk about going from the corrections department into into doing that. So that's that's unique. I haven't heard that one before. <laughs> so so tell me tell me about the next step after after you get this exposure. What what do you do next? In terms of like the Builders the, Color Coalition or just my career? No. So so yeah. For, so after you had that experience and you're seeing how it all works together, and so. Then you're working for, after that, you start to work for the city of Providence, right? Like not the corrections, but the actual city proper, or is it all the same thing? Uh, separate. So yeah, two separate roles. Okay. Was there, was there anything in that, in the role with the, with the city that you're like, I learned a lot in X or, you know, was there, what, what was your big takeaway from that? Yes. I think that I learned that there was commonly a disconnect between what, right, in the development process, as there's a disconnect in, in some instances between municipal leaders, state leaders, the community groups, and the developer, right? There's sort of this, like, tension around, like, we need to get, we want to get the project built. How do we build, bring the partners together? How do we assemble the teams? How do we get it through zoning? How do we build something that the community, like, is open to receiving and that the, it reflects the, the um, mission of the administration for that local city. Um, so I just saw that there needed to almost be like another entity outside of all of that that just convened all of the partners that didn't have an interest in like, well, if I do this and I get that, but really just an outside partner to sort of connect with the cities and developers to say, hey, the, the city is really prioritizing diversity, equity, and inclusion here's like 15 developers of color that you maybe you, sh you can talk to if you'd like to um, that exist. Like maybe start talking to them, building out that relationship just to see if there's any future opportunities. Um, so I just saw that there was like a need for another thing to support and help that. Um, and especially when I had my conversation with Dave, I think that, that, that thread became very obvious. I thought, 
Yes, there is sort of always this missing like support connection to that in, in the equity world. So I was really excited to join the Builders of Color Coalition because I think that BCC represents a solution to a lot of problems that lots of cities are facing, not just like local city government folks, but also the private developers. I mean, I would have conversations with developers and builders and GCs in the city and that were building in Providence. And I would go back to some of like the administration folks and say, the community and you all want this developer or this GC to do this, but they cannot because this is how their business works. It's like, there are these mm. reasons, like the math doesn't work. The pro forma is not there. There's not funding for that. How are we going to think this through? And I think being able to be more of like a middle ground, like connector and convener is a really important role to have. Yeah, that that's strong. It's powerful. It's powerful. And especially from from my perspective, when you when you see that some of the problems are just, I don't say just miscommunication, but really to, to some, somebody's, uh, they're saying they want the same things in some regards, you know, it's, some people want to lead more towards the safety or some like cut costs. And yeah, I get that. I get that. Everyone needs to balance that. But in the end, people really want the same things and um, being in that place to, to be able to translate mm -hmm. and connect is, is a really powerful, powerful place. And I think you, you guys are doing a great job. Um, so let's, let's, let's take a deep dive into, into builders of color, color coalition. Um, what are you most excited about that you are currently working on? Yes. So I would say the thing that we are most excited about is over the last year, we've um, planned, executed on fellowship programs that are specific to uh, minority owned uh, investment or development companies, mostly based in the Boston commercial market that are looking to scale their operations or do more complex types of real estate transactions. Um, so through funding, through um, Mass Housing, which is a state sort of a statewide housing work um, entity here in this in Massachusetts, as well as the Boston Planning and Development Authority, our local planning authority, um, and our local Boston Foundation, we've uh, been able to fund and support um, at this point probably twenty five development firms, anywhere from thirty to forty individuals specifically, um, through two separate six month training programs to give access and networks to these development companies to be able to grow and scale their operations. So each program, we have two programs right now. One is our core minority developer fellowship, which goes from everything from doing your pro formas, um, figuring out how to navigate through zoning, um, how to submit requests for proposals for public land, um, how to secure financing and um, access to capital. We introduce a lot of these fellows. Um, there's 10 to 15 fellows in each program. We introduce them to bankers um, that are in our network. We introduce them to investors that are in our networks. We introduce them to architects that are in our network. Uh, we introduce them to the state entities and the city entities and parties that um, are all sort of in the development space. And we also introduce them to and have um, them mentored by our real estate executives that are working within the private development space as well. Um, so if the hope is uh, that in the six months of that program, they'll be able to come out and really just be able to jumpstart their careers and do much bigger, more complex projects. 
so we're so excited for that that program. Uh, we launched it for the first time um, last January, and what we've seen those fellows have done in the very short time period is just shocking. Um, and we're so excited. We're preparing right now for next year's programs, uh, and we're just so excited to see like the accomplishments that these folks these folks have sort of gathered around, um, and just the teams and the projects that they've been able to put together. Well, that's amazing. Congratulations. Uh, if, and, and please uh, keep, keep me up to date with any progress that, that you have and, you know, the success stories, because it's, I think it's important for us to be able to share these stories and the success. And because a lot of people that will look at it and say, oh, wow, like that's, I want to try that, or I need that help. And sometimes you don't know what you don't know. And sometimes being able to share these stories is a way for to to shine light on 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 different types of success that other people may not even know that they need that kind of help, but it could really bolster their their careers and new opportunities. Absolutely, and like I'll share like one one of the stories um, that has been getting a little bit of buzz in the Boston market. So actually, I'll share two. Um, so we have two fellows, two firms that participated in our first fellowship program. They met for the first time through the program and after participating in it, they realized that they had lots of mutual interests and they actually entered into a partnership to work on a project. Um, they were sort of kind of concerned about, is this a project that we could put together? It's very complex. There was a lot of moving pieces to it. Um, and they just had a groundbreaking with the city and the state just came. They have all these like nonprofit partners that are wrapped into the project, like maybe less than a month ago. So it's great to see like, a groundbreaking for a project that's already happening or like a, like a ribbon cutting and seeing all the elected officials and those two, those two fellows there <laughs> that met through our program. So that was, that's just like really promising and great to see. Um, and another one is um, there's a woman and a minority owned development company that went through both, both of our programs and they recently won um, a public parcel of land in the city of Brockton. So we're also very proud of them for like getting uh, and working on that project and that development and securing that spot too. Oh, that, that those are those are two fantastic examples. And l let me let me ask you this question: Based on when you came into this the organization a year and a half ago. Do you have, do you feel like you've met or exceeded your expectations? Cause again, when people, I know when you start things and you think it's going to be this, or you have an idea, um, like what, where, where do you stand right now as far as your understanding of the mission of the organization and, and how well you're doing? Yeah. So I would say we've definitely met all of the expectations that we've had for at this period of time for the organization. Um, I think that we, after especially running the the fellowship programs for the first the first two cohorts, there's definitely things that we're seeing that we're like, ooh, there's ways that we can improve and tinker with it and move it around. And I think that that's just because um, I'm greatly influenced by the development mindset and all the developers that I get to interface with. So there's a lot of like project management and sort of looking through like, okay, this is how this project happened, but next time, how do we get it faster, build quicker? Uh, how do we like do the cap raise capital faster to get it done faster? Like how do we bring in more more investors? Like maybe this partner wasn't the right partner. Like just kind of like thinking through like that puzzle of putting everything together. So we definitely have a way better sense of what the future of the organization is going to look like. It's going to look like 
I think what we've set out and planned, there's definitely that's going to be met, but I think we're definitely adding on some layers to that. That's, that's great. You know, and I feel like that mindset of efficiency and improvement and going to think, I think that's something that is, it's a, it's a common, it's a commonality that, that I've seen in a lot of very say high level producers, you know, that, that actually take a shot to try something new to bring people together and, and then also improve on it and look at it and say, yeah, this, this was successful, but this can be done better and bigger and faster and more efficient. So I, I think that's, it's, it's so cool that having all these conversations to be able to, to see where they line up and then see people to have success. Yeah. It's like, you have to have that like scrappy, almost like entrepreneurial spirit of like, if I don't get this, like this has to be done better and faster um, and quicker. Like, I think that that is such a, like, something that sets apart people that will just do the status quo, do what they need to do, clock in, clock out, whatever it is. And there's a very different like mindset and approach when you're thinking through like problem solving. And I think that that is Mm. a huge like thing I've definitely seen, especially from the developers in our network. Being a developer is very hard to do if you are not naturally a problem solver. There are problems Mm. that you have to manage every single day. And like, different things that happen and you always have to think through how do I get this project back on track? Like how do I make sure it stays on track? Um, so I think that that's really excites me about being part of this industry now and just being able to work amongst such great and talented developers. So being exposed to these the developers and, and a, a lot of different resources in, in your market, in your area, is there anything, and I don't want to put limits on, on, on what you say, but is there anything that you've saw that's like a technology that use it or that you or any type of tool, you know, again, this isn't promoting any of one of those things, but I'm, I'm always looking for ways like how, what do people use to get from here to there that aren't necessarily just people or resources or programs, but the technologies, the, the methods, is there anything that jumps out to you? Yeah, so I would say, um, and not to make a plug for this app, but there's an app that we use pretty pretty um, regularly at Builders of Color Coalition, and it really helps us manage a lot of the different projects that we're working on. We have obviously our fellowship programs, but that's like a fourth of all the programming that we do here. Um, and to keep it on track, we use um, a project management tool called Asano. Um, so okay. we have different projects so we can sort of manage all of our projects individually. It's sort of like massive to-do lists that have timestamps, um, deadlines. You can put reminders in there. You can make a calendar out of it. You can plug in lots of documents. You can comment and like have dialogue with your other partners like on the same thread. So especially because our work is very collaborative, um, it's sort of like we are looking at documents. We're looking at where projects are standing and providing immediate update. So if there's ever a question of myself or anyone on my team is like, where did we land on this conversation? Or where are we with this, like one specific item, we can quickly see in Asana and one of the tasks, oh, this is where we last ended up. And here's where we need to go next. Um, So it's a really awesome tool. Um, It's very similar to, I guess, like monday.com, some other people use as well. Um, Mm -hmm. We try not to push it too much at BCC, although I am definitely an Asana fan. No, oh, that's great. Well, and that's exactly it. Like not every tool is going to be the best fit for everybody, but uh, I, I love finding out about especially productivity uh, tools that, that people utilize. And so, yeah, that's great. It's a great tip. Um, so 
I want to be mindful of our time. Um, and thank you so much for, for joining and sharing more about, about your journey and, and everything that you're doing. Um, I want to, I want to ask one more question. Well, maybe a couple more questions, but the, but the one I want to say is, um, as far as you, your, your personal goals, um, and professional and how they, they intertwine, you've seen a little bit of it all, right? You, you, you've been on the, on the public side, on the private side. Now you're in that, in the world connecting all of them is where, where do you see your future going? Like where, where, I mean, I'm not, again, it's been a year and a half. I'm sure you got plenty more work to do where you are right now, but you know, five, 10 years, do you have uh, an overall meta goal that you want to accomplish? I think that um, for, in terms of like a meta goal, I think one thing that I'm always trying to be um, like sensitive and cognizant of is like, how do I make the most impact? in a space where um, there may sort of be gaps. And so I think with the Builders of Color Coalition, I mean, it's I'm in this seat, I'm so excited. I mean, we're already planning out what probably the next four years are gonna look like at the Builders of Color Coalition. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that like we, as an organization, I think we have so much work to do. Um, there's so much other like work to sort of pull in and really advance the industry, especially around diversity. I mean. It's less than 1% of all real estate developers with people of color across the country. So that is definitely a concern and a, a long, long road to sort of remedy. Um, and I think for now, I'm really just locked into this mission and this goal. And like, how do we really diversify this industry and provide ownership and equity and access for people of color to be able to create economic mobility for themselves and their families? Well, I'll add that what you're doing is a, is a heavy lift um, and you're doing a lot and you're making a huge impact with what you're, you're already doing. I hope that you don't, that you feel that, that you feel uh, that you're not doing it alone because I know there's some wonderful people that you have and you all, every time I hear you speak and, 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 I'm, and I, I talk to you, you sound like there's a joy in what you're doing. So I hope you continue that, that spirit and, um, and continue with your success because it's, it's really impressive and I'm cheering you on. Thank you. And it's definitely folks like you, Dustin, that are in other pockets of the country that are checking in and we're sort of sharing the dialogue and sharing the conversations because many of the problems and the issues that developers of color face in Boston are the same across, like not just Boston, but across the country. Um, and I think we're seeing more and more like conversations and discussions with uh, other like chapters of organizations doing similar work and wanting to improve the industry in that way. Um, so we're just so excited to have like partners like BCREN and you and lots of our other national partners and also our local partners. Like we have 40 to 50 organizations that support our work and are our partners. Like we cannot do this work alone. Absolutely. So listen, thank you so much. Um, if you want to, one last thing, I'm going to share it in the, in the show notes, but is there any, like, how do people get in contact with you? How do they reach you? What's the best way? Yes. So the best way to get in touch with me is on LinkedIn, um, at Colleen N as in Nancy Fonseca. Um, the second is through our Builders of Color Coalition LinkedIn page. So we are pretty active on LinkedIn as well as on Instagram. I actually check the DMs on Instagram. So if you want to get directly in touch with me, you can definitely feel free to shoot us a message on the BCC Instagram. I, I'm going to have to touch base with you on Instagram. I need some help with my Instagram game. I'm, uh, 
I'm late to the gram. I <laughs> do my game is not good on there. So, so hey, listen, thank you so much. Um, appreciate your time. Appreciate everything that you're doing, and uh, look forward to seeing continued success. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dustin. Talk to you soon. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Tools, Talents, and Techniques podcast. We hope you found the conversation insightful and engaging. And if you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to like, subscribe, and share the podcast with your network. By subscribing, you'll never miss an episode as we continue to bring you inspiring discussions with industry leaders and pioneers. Stay connected to the latest insights, trends, and strategies across various fields from business and entrepreneurship to technology and innovation. Your support is vital in helping us reach more listeners and expand our community. So don't forget to leave a review and share your feedback. We appreciate your input and are committed to delivering valuable content that empowers and inspires. To stay updated on future episodes, be sure to follow us on either LinkedIn or our website, suttonrea.com. You can also find us on most podcast platforms like Apple, Spotify, Google, and Amazon. Thank you for being part of the Tools, Talents, and Techniques community. We look forward to bringing you more engaging conversations and valuable insights in the future. Until then, keep exploring, learning, and applying these tools, talents, and techniques to achieve your own success.